The Compare To Podcast is part of the Spark Media Network, now available on the Edify Podcast app. Grab the Edify app in your Google Play Store or on the Apple Podcasts app. You will be so glad you did. Hey there, friends. Heather Creekmore here. Welcome to the Compare To Show. I'm so glad you're listening today. This is the third and final installment of our spring series. It's a once a month series where I am walking you through my book, my latest book, The Burden of Better. Okay. Just from sheer sales numbers alone, I know more of you have read Compared to Who than The Burden of Better. But trust me, my friends, The Burden of Better is actually a much better book, as ironic as that is to say. But there's so much good stuff in The Burden of Better that can apply to your body image issues, but also to other areas of your life where you're tempted to compare yourself. So I really hope that you'll check out the book and read it if you haven't already. But today where we're going to go is kind of the vision of The Burden of Better, which is to cast for you a vision of a life that is comparison-free. Now, let me clarify something. Yes, you are always going to be tempted to compare yourself to other people. There is temptation, and then there is falling into the comparison pit. As long as we're here on earth, I think we're going to be tempted. But there is a way to stop that temptation from taking over your life and zapping you of joy and of peace and of rest. And that's really why I wrote this book, because I really believe at the heart of the reason why we compare ourselves to other people, why we want a better life is not just to have nicer things or a better body or a prettier marriage or any of those things. I really think underneath it all, we just want to rest. We just want joy. We just want peace. And so that's where we're going to go today. As we look through the end of the burden of better, we're going to talk about what does it really mean to find those things? And how does a life of grace instead of a life of comparison, lead to joy, peace, and rest. I hope you will stick around and listen to today's episode. Thanks for being here. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here, the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. 
Okay, friends. Well, we are going to start with a listener question from the last episode. So our last installment of the book club, we talked about grace. And I did a deep dive into the four different kinds of grace that are operating in the life of the believer, of the follower of Jesus Christ, every single day, every single moment. Those types of grace are saving grace, sustaining grace, sanctifying grace, and growing grace. And I got a question that I absolutely loved because it made so much sense to me. It was totally my journey. And the question was, how, and I'm adding a little bit, (laughs) I'm embellishing her question a little bit, but how in the world do I grasp grace? Ah, I just, I love the authenticity of this question because although in the book, I try to make grace a very practical topic. I try to put it in practical terms so you can understand how it works in your life. Sometimes it's just a really big obstacle to even imagine yourself accepting grace. Now, I tread kind of cautiously here, friend, but follow me. Part of the reason why we have a hard time with grace is pride. Oh, I'm sorry I had to say it, but I'm so guilty of it. And that's why I can say it so quickly. Because the pride in accepting grace, and the pride you have to lay down really, is the fact that you can do nothing to earn your salvation. You can do nothing to earn The grace, the grace is just a free gift. And guess what? You don't deserve it. Oh my goodness, friend. If you're like me, it it kind of makes me bristle a little bit. It's like, but I want to deserve it. I want to earn it. Show me how I can be good enough. And I will try to do that. And oh yes, Jesus, I need you too. But that's not what grace is. There's an illustration. I had a boss once. And he would always use this for like projects and stuff. And the illustration was like, there's mom in the kitchen making dinner or or making cookies, let's say. And a four-year-old comes in and says, mama, I help. And the mom says, okay, sure, you can help. And so she gives the four-year-old, you know, maybe the pre-measured cup of flour to like throw in, or she gives her that chocolate chip bag and tells her to shake them or something silly like that to keep her busy, right? Because mom's going to be doing the work. The four-year-old's not baking the cookies. (laughs) Four-year-old's not carrying the burden on this task, right? And yet, when those cookies are made, chances are the little girl is going to be like, I make cookies. I help. I help. (laughs) Right. But we all know the truth. Mom made the cookies and she kind of helped, but she wasn't really necessary to the mission being accomplished. The cookies could have been made without her help. And I think this is a good illustration for what we do when we try to help <laughs> with God's grace, when we try to help by earning it, or we try to, well, if I'm just really good, then, then maybe I'll be more deserving or, okay, yes, I know it's a free gift, but just give me the rules and I'll follow them. And then, then I'll have earned it. And that's just contrary to grace. So how do you grasp grace? I don't know. I hope my cookie illustration 
helped somewhat, but you kind of have to lay your pride down and just recognize that you are even more helpless than that four-year-old in the kitchen when it comes to doing anything to earn or deserve your salvation. It was an impossible task. It was a chasm that could never be breached by anything you ever did or tried to accomplish. But God, God sent Jesus to do it. And the pride has to be laid down so we can just say, yep, okay, I receive that free gift of grace. I hope that helped you some. Hey, hey there, friend. Are we email friends yet? Because if not, we really should be. Don't you think it's about time? <laughs> Seriously, you can head on over to comparedtowho.me and you can get my free five-day body image email challenge. What is a five-day body image email challenge? Well, for five days in a row, I'm going to send you messages just to kind of get you thinking about your body image in a completely different and hopefully helpful gospel-centered way. I want to see you find body image freedom And the best place to start is by becoming my email friend so we can connect that way and I can encourage you right in your inbox. So go to comparetoyou.me, take the free five-day email challenge, and I can't wait to connect with you there. Okay, so let's dig right in to the very last portion of my book, The Burden of Better, where I talk about joy, peace, and rest. Now, my favorite chapter of all these has to be the last chapter where I talk about rest, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, I just want to start by talking about joy a little bit. And in that chapter, I talk about gratitude and I talk about, you know, just being grateful for all the little ways that God blesses us every day and what a practice that is. And that's something that a concept that you may be familiar with. I mean, even people in secular circles are practicing gratitude and singing the praises of what gratitude can do for your life. But I just want to kind of take that even one step further, because as believers and followers in Jesus Christ, we can't just be thankful for, you know, a pretty sunset and a good parking space. We have to be thankful in the context of grace that, wow, Jesus's grace is so awesome. It's so amazing. He is so generous to not just provide for my salvation, to not just provide for my eternity, but to also provide these little highlights in day-to-day life. One of the ways that God manifested his grace in my life was the opportunity to be on the Netflix show, Nailed It. Now, I don't talk about this a whole lot anymore. I am in season one, episode one of Netflix's show, Nailed It. I made the blue, like they can call, I think they called it Cookie Monster Blue. Uh, I was going to call it Smurf Blue cake that leaned. It was a wedding cake and it was kind of a hot mess. But friends, me being on that show was a huge testimony of God's grace in my life because that was a hidden desire, like a secret thing I'd always wanted to do. I'd always wanted to be on a bake show. I loved, 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 loved shows like that, Spring Baking Championship and Holiday Bake Offs and that kind of thing. 
but I am such a bad baker that there was no show I was ever going to be qualified to be on. But somehow our gracious God figured out a way for me to be on a big show that was perfect for my skill set. And so that's just one evidence of God's grace that I do share in the book. But there's so many ways that God provides the opportunity for us to experience joy. But in the context of comparison, how often do we rob ourselves of feeling joy because we see our present, we see our blessing, and then we look at someone else's and we decide, oh, wait a second, maybe God cheated me. Maybe God shorted me because my blessing is not as good as that blessing, at least in my estimation. You know, what God did for me isn't as awesome as what he did for them. So to my Netflix nailed it analogy, like, well, hey, but if God had really loved me, maybe he would have just given me good baking skills. And why didn't he give me my own Food Network show? I mean, he must love Reed Drummond more than he loves me right? Like I could take that to a really unhealthy place. We all can do that with anything in our lives. Ah, And we rob ourselves of so much joy when we question God in that way. So I also go to a hard place in the book and it's actually in the chapter on contentment. I hate the word contentment. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I did. We didn't use it in the title on purpose. And I almost didn't want to do a chapter on it because when I was a single woman, I felt like that was the one word I heard over and over and over again in singles ministry. If you just learn to be content as a single person, then magically a man will come into your life just as soon as you reach contentment. And so I kind of felt myself always like, okay, how do I get to be content? Like just they're like magic words I can say. Can I buy some at Target? Because... I want to be married, like really, really want that. So how can I magically find myself content? So that will instantly happen. And of course, it doesn't work like that, right? But one of the illustrations that I use in the contentment chapter is about complaining. And there's a passage of scripture uh, from when those Israelites were wandering around in the desert And when they started complaining, what happened? And the short story is, God didn't like it. They were complaining that they didn't have meat because they were just eating manna. Now, it was a miracle that God was providing manna for them, okay? So let's just back up the bus a second there and recognize that to have God, like, miraculously provide your food Um, Every single day when there's no food available in the desert is a pretty amazing thing. But that wasn't good enough for them. They're like, we miss our meat. Oh, we had it so much better in Egypt because at least we had meat there. Now, again, (laughs) perspective is a little off because they were slaves in Egypt. And yet they are grumbling. (laughs) They're free now, but they don't have meat. It's never good enough, right? And so God made it rain meat. He made it rain quail from the sky. They had so much meat that they were sick of meat. And literally, um, some people died in the whole scenario. It's quite a story. You should go read it. Um, But it's just a good reminder that complaining, it's such an insult, right? And it's so easy to complain. But you probably know someone who complains a lot, at least I do, and oh. 
I don't like to be around them very much, <laughs> right? Grumbling, complaining, right? It, God asked for us not to do that. <laughs> that is us saying, again, uh, God, I think I know better than you what would be good for my life. So you got it wrong. Uh, friends, it's not what we need to be doing. Now, there is a way to, and I'm going to use the word complain, but, but wait until you hear my definition of how the, the distinction here. There is a way to express dissatisfaction or frustration to God that could be mistaken for complaining, but it's not really complaining. It's called lament. And this is what we see David do through the Psalms, where he is lamenting, you know, maybe things he did wrong, right? Or he's lamenting how many enemies he has and how, you know, he feels bad. Like he feels like he's in danger. He, he feels sad. He laments these things. But lament is different because lament has an undertone of this is really hard, but God, I trust you. This is really hard, but God, I know you are still good. Oh, this is painful. This is, this is so difficult for me, but God, you are God and I am not. And so it's a really powerful thing, a really powerful distinction, but um, thing to remember when we kind of get tempted to go into complaining land. Okay, now let's talk about joy. So I had a really good time writing the joy chapter because it took me back to a song that I sang in Sunday school. So maybe if you grew up in church, you know this song too, but it (laughs) went like this. I'm going to try to not sing it for you, but give you enough of it so you understand. It was like Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. And so the song was J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and you. And the song basically instructed us to put things in right order. So first priority, first focus is Jesus. Second focus is others. And third focus is me, right? Jesus and others and you. And it's really from the passage in Matthew where there's the two great commandments. Um, love Lord your God your, with all your heart, with all your soul. Um, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And as I was thinking about the secret to joy, I couldn't help but go back to something I talk about all the time on this show, which is Tim Keller's The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Because the, the truth is, my friend, if you are stuck thinking about yourself all the time, you are never going to have joy. Okay? It's just the way it is. Thinking about yourself will never bring you the kind of joy you crave. Even if you become the most awesome version of yourself, it still won't work. Friends, why do you think we see so many rich, successful, beautiful celebrities do horrific things like take their own lives? It's because nothing in this world (laughs) satisfies us the way Jesus can. And even if we reach the pinnacle of all we think we should be or hope we can be, Thinking about us and our success will always leave us empty. So that chapter, I dig deep into what does it mean, Jesus and others and you? And how do you get your life oriented in that way? And so I think that um, if 
that's of interest to you, you're going to really enjoy that chapter and some of the tips there. So I want to just read for you the comparison-free life action plan from the joy chapter. So every chapter in this book has a comparison-free life action plan. And at the beginning of the plan, I list for you several Bible verses, passages that you should read through. So if you're thinking like, oh, this could be a good book for my Bible study group or whatever, yes, because I give you lots of passages to look up and study. And then I give you questions to process. So you could totally do this as a book club, but you could also do this as a Bible study with a group of women at your church. And I love the fact that there would be accountability there. So you guys can go through the content together. But then as you're kind of tempted to go on with life and find yourself comparing or complaining or any of those things, you have friends beside you walking the same journey who can say, uh, remember what we read in that book? (laughs) And you can say, uh, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I need to back it up. So the comparison free life action plan for the joy chapter. Here's the first question. And you can just answer it in your head right now as you listen. On a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the top, what is your joy level? Would you like to increase it? Are there ways that you could turn to Jesus for a joy boost this week? So The question, I guess, is really, are you content with where you're at? Do you feel joyful enough? Or is there room to grow in the joy arena? And if there is, what are you going to do about it? Question number two, how's your prayer life? Are you reading the Bible regularly? Do you have the concept that unless we are plugged in, we have no power. And that's an illustration I use where I talk about like our cell phones can't keep running unless we charge them, right? (laughs) Well, if God is really our power source, if we're not getting plugged in every day by spending time in his word and praying, then we have no power source. We are cell phones running without juice. And everyone knows that doesn't work. Question three, And this reflects on another illustration I'll explain to you as well. How do you think our Amazon Prime have it in an instant culture affects the way we interact with God? Has this impacted you too? So this ties into an illustration I used where I think we actually have a hard time with joy and maybe with patience (laughs) to some extent too. Because we're so used to having everything instantly. And we pray and ask God for something and it doesn't arrive on our doorstep in 24 hours or two days. We're like, "Uh, excuse me, God, Amazon does better than you do. (laughs) Can you try again? Right? We have an Amazon Prime view of life. So just take a second now. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever felt frustrated that God didn't deliver on your prayer right away? Or worse, and you guys, I'm so guilty of this. Have you ever just felt like you didn't need to bother praying about something because maybe you weren't sure if God would answer or you weren't sure if he would answer in time or if you weren't sure that he could or would do anything? And then the final question I'm going to read is, does social media help you experience more joy or more comparison? How do you feel while scrolling? Would a week or two off of social media help you? Ah, yikes, Bill. That's a hard one. And you guys, I have to be on social media. It's just kind of part of the deal when you publish books. It's something that's expected of you. And I really don't like it. 
because I know that it affects me. In fact, I had, oh, it's probably about a month ago. I was just feeling really down for a couple of weeks and just didn't know what was going on. And, you know, like, oh, maybe it's spiritual warfare. And I just don't know what's happening, but I just feel so down. And then I got that little um, notification, that little screen time notification on my phone. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have been on social media so much this week. It was an aha moment. I was like, yeah, it's not good for me. It is not good for my heart. And I am, my friends, my, my feed is pretty cleaned up. Like if anyone I'm following starts to post their before and after pictures or their diety stuff, I'm sorry, you're getting muted or unfollowed, <laughs> depending, right? So I'm not really looking at stuff that's super triggering anymore. And I would encourage you to clean up your feeds as best you can too, right? Your friends don't know if you mute, mute them on Instagram. Um, so mute them. Uh, if they're posting stuff that triggers you. But it's it's so strange how we all know that it doesn't make us feel good. And yet, we're all stuck there. We, <laughs> In fact, I heard someone use this illustration on a radio show recently, and I may have shared this on another show, but <laughs> the uh, it was a pastor asking a young woman, like, you know, like as she was depressed and he was asking her about it and, and she's like, yeah, I'm depressed because it's just so hard to be on social media all the time. Like social media is just robbing me of all of my joy. It's just stealing from my life. And he was like, well, then why don't you just get off of social media? And she said, because if I did, then I wouldn't have a life. And I was like, oh, that's so to the point, right? That's such the lie that we wouldn't have a life if we weren't on social media. But again, my, my purpose today is not necessarily to encourage you to go cold turkey on social media, but just to think about what it is really adding to your life and what it may be taking away from your life. And if you are on there, my friend, shameless plug here, but I hope you're following Compared to Who on Instagram. And I have a Facebook group called Body Image for Christian Women. It had a Compared to Who name, but I've decided to make it a little bit broad to capture women who are looking for help in this area. But Body Image for Christian Women, and there you're going to find some encouragement. So don't be scrolling just all bad news. If you're going to be scrolling, scroll some good news too. <laughs> but as a shameless plug, but taking a week off of social media every month, or at least one day off social media every week, Oh, it can do such amazing things for your mental health. And I would suggest as summer's coming, I would think seriously about giving up social media when you go on vacation, because I found that nothing can ruin a vacation faster for me than being on social media and seeing someone else's better vacation, right? Or someone else that looks better in a bathing suit or someone that seems to be having a more idyllic vacation than mine when maybe it's raining where I am and it's sunny where they are. There's so many options of ways that social media can bring you down when you're on vacation, when you're supposed to be resting and relaxing and rejuvenating. So final free tip here is don't do socials while you're vacationing. 
you will survive if people don't see your vacation pictures while you're on vacation. You can do a later gram. You can you can post all that stuff later. But trust me, you will have just as good of time on your actual vacation if people aren't pressing likes on your vacation picture live while you're there. So that's my final free tip. Okay, the last chapter in this book, I told you it was my favorite. It's a chapter on rest. And candidly, I wrote this book when we were walking through the death of my aunt, uh, who actually went to the hospital one day with back pain and passed away uh, within two months in the hospital, never went home, um, passed away from a cancer that had spread throughout her body, and she didn't know it. And um, it was a sad thing, but she was a believer and follower of Jesus, so I know she's in heaven right now. But it really caused me pause as I had to clean out her home. And I'm looking at like the dishes that were undone and, you know, her recipe card that was out for what she was going to make for dinner that night that she, you know, she's going to go to the hospital, get it checked out and come home. Um, And all of her stuff, my friends, all of her stuff. My aunt loved to write. She had a dream of writing and and never actually published anything. She was kind of a little bit ahead of her time on the self-publishing side of things. But she loved to read. And she had thousands and thousands of books. And guess what? When she died, she didn't take any of that stuff with her. Not a single possession went to heaven with her. It was all left there for us to try to clean out and figure out what to do with. And my point for you, my friend, is you can't take any of it with you. And all these things that steal our rest, all of these things, all these things we worry about, right? Uh, We worry about our food. We worry about our size. We worry about our homes. We worry about our jobs. We worry about so much that we just can't take with us. And, And one final thought that came to me as I was writing this rest chapter was this, and you may have heard me say it before because I've said it on a lot of other shows and I don't know if I've said it on mine, but I think the reason why we diet or follow wellness plans, or go on a strict fitness regimen. I think the reason why we do that kind of stuff is we crave a better body, yes, but I think what we really want, what we really desire is rest. Because no one goes on a diet hoping that they'll be on the diet for the rest of their lives. No one starts a really rigorous fitness plan hoping that they're going to have to work out that hard every day until their death date, right? We do these things kind of knowing that they're temporary and kind of hoping that even though they're temporary, we can do them in such a way that the results will last forever. So we can do them for a season and then rest But friends, it doesn't work that way. I mean, everyone who's gone on a diet and off a diet and on a diet and off a diet, you you guys know that, right? But even like with working out, it's not like one day you're at the gym and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, finally, I have the perfect body. I'm content. There's that word again. I'm content with my body. Now I will proceed to cancel my gym membership and go home and sit on the couch for the rest of my life, right? It doesn't work like that, right? You have to main 
maintain. You have to keep going. And in many cases, you almost have to keep going harder if you want to keep seeing change because your body kind of finds a place where it's happy and stays there for a while. Or in the arena of like food and stuff, you have to keep getting more severe or keep trying different things, trying to jolt your body into changing in the way you want it to change. And then it goes right back again because your body's job is not to look thin and hot and cooperate with the way you want it to look, but instead to keep you alive and keep you safe. So we should thank our bodies for that. That's an aside. (laughs) But ah, friends, what we really want is rest. And no diet is ever going to give us rest. No exercise program is going to ever give us rest. In fact, think about money. Money doesn't give us rest. We think if I just had this much money, then I could, ah, I just have the things I want and the house I want and, you know, the clothes I want. And, you know, my kids would have like stuff for school. And, you know, we just, oh, we could just sigh. Everything would be done. All the house projects would be done. We just rest. But that's not the way it works. Friends, these these messages, these voices, these goals, these dreams, these ideals, as I talk about in this book, they're just all idols that are lying to us, telling us, if you jest, then you will. And the promise is often rest, but the promise can never be fulfilled. It's just a lie because the truth is, my friend, only Jesus gives us that rest we crave. Well, that's all for my series on The Burden of Better. I really hope that you'll give this book a try. I think it'd be a great summer read. Hey, instead of scrolling socials on your beach vacation, your lake vacation, your time at the pool, read The Burden of Better. Please, I think it will just make your vacation a little brighter. And it's available wherever Christian books are sold, online, Amazon, Christian book, Walmart, I think had a good price on it at one point. So wherever you're buying stuff online, look for The Burden of Better by Heather Creekmore. I think you'll like it. Well, that's all for today's show. I'm so glad that you listened. and I hope you are too. And I really hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living because friends, that's what it's all about. Bye-bye. Before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to comparetowho.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at comparetowho.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration. And I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free.
Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.